Welcome back to the Sharpest College Football Podcast, brought to you by Lean Toss Up Sports. This is Buck Metrics. I am joined, as always, by Robert Martin. Robert Martin, how are you this evening? I'm good. Yeah, I'm. Uh, we're coming here on on Tuesday night and watching some action on the on the left here, and we got this on, on the center monitor. So yeah, let's uh, let's uh, let's let's talk about our rankings and and our, and our plays for this week. You know. Before we start that, I just want to go back to something we covered in part one. Do you know who coached in the MAC long ago at Ball State? Brady Hoke. Can I tell you about Brady Hoke? I no, I'm kidding. Okay, let's <laughs> let's go to our rankings here. Um, my metrics. Okay, this is my <coughs> model. Um, my model strength of record top twenty. Um, you know, Ohio State number one. They've been there for a few weeks now. I still have that weird picture of Ryan Day. Don't know why that's happening when I generate this file. Alabama at number two, which is higher than I think pretty much everybody else has them. Um, you know, other surprises, Liberty not ranked. We'll go into some of the shortcomings of the committee a little bit later. Um, Utah, interesting. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of skeptical on Utah, but hey, you know, committee and uh, the model have them that high, so maybe I'm wrong on that. Um, you know, in Oregon sneaking into the top 20, my model just doesn't like, um, their strength of schedule. If we kind of go back to what their best win is this season, it's kind of rough. A lot. I'd say that win at Utah is doing a lot of hard work for them. Now Utah's at 15 in this poll. Great. Um, but you know, my model's not really as high on, on Utah from a predictive standpoint. So, um, what sticks out to you this or in the, the football playoff rankings? Yeah, I I mean, the one – I mean, obviously they can't rank James Madison, which is very sad. Um, but, yeah, like Liberty – like it's it's funny, right, because this, this ranking, the strength of record, it generally tracks with the CFP rankings, generally. I mean, obviously squint a little bit, but you, you're there. Um, <laughs> with one notable exception, Liberty. That's just not even there at all, right? Like, you're like, Ohio State won. Yep, Ohio State won. Georgia, seven. They have Georgia, two. Alabama, uh, you have Alabama, two. They have an eight. Okay, you have to account for the loss to Texas. Texas, six. Uh, you have six. They have seven. A lot of these are roughly in line with what you'd expect, except just Liberty just not there. Maybe they've missed Liberty games. They don't get ESPNU. I, I, I don't know, but it's something that uh, – I, I don't get that one. I don't get having lit Tulane ahead of, of Liberty. And again, like as we talked about in the last in the last uh, part, right now if the season were to end today, uh, Tulane would be going to New York Six Bowl. Liberty would not be. And Liberty and Tulane beat East ECU by three by three last week. A team that is tanking basically, except they're not actually tanking. <laughs> There's no tanking in college football. You just are bad. So Tulane lost almost lost to that team. So yeah. That's a problem if you're uh, the CFP committee. I don't understand what, what this hatred of liberty is. So, yeah. Yeah, I just think they don't know better, and we'll get into that in my deeper dive. I'll just kind of keep it as a gentleman's non-conspiracy at this point. All right, my my predictive top 20 teams, which is very different. Uh, the first thing, obviously, is that Oregon's number three in this one. Uh, you've got them at number six. You know, big difference. Uh, Notre Dame, I've got it fifth. You have them at 24th. I'm higher on LSU. I've got basically LSU's offense doing all the lifting there and 
you know, I don't know, maybe your, your, your model's a little better adjusting for, um, strength of opponent than, than my, mine is, although I, I, I don't know. Notre Dame's good unless they play a good defense, I think is kind of what I concluded in part one. Um, mm-hmm. Louisville sneaks in back into the top 20. I think they were in a, before they had that, that weird loss to, to Narduzzi. Um, you have Texas number one. I think you need to have a talk with your model about um, the fourth down situation yeah. when it comes to Texas. My my model, weirdly, and it's love Texas all year long. I just, and I think it's to be fair, this one, because it's college, I don't have the ability to do college play-by-play data, so the play calling is different than what Sark would actually do, which I think is, is a hindrance there. And I think, I hope next year I'm going to be able to have that play-by-play data so we can have that. But for now, we don't, right? So it's, uh, it's that's what we're, that's, I think that's part of it. But yeah, it the model weirdly loves Texas. I don't know why. It even loves Texas against Oklahoma. So we'll see. But yeah. You, the other thing, the other thing that sticks out to me is as bad as USC's defense was, that was kind of just a another bad defensive performance as it's been. Their offense was so strong in that game that they actually jumped to them to the top twenty here, and they actually they moved. I think you had them like in the low twenties or high thirties uh, last week, so they moved up in your model too. Oddly, off a win, um, mm-hmm. but albeit against a good, a, you know, good to really good team. That I don't know. I'm I, I'm still not sold on Washington's defense, though. I'll say that um, they were every bit yeah. as bad as USC's defense, just without the the extra topping. Well, that that seems like that was the takeaway from from last week, right? That like, okay, USC's offense is good and Washington's offense is good too, but like USC's defense just worse. And yeah. the thing is, the problem is USC has lost games, actually several games so far this season and Washington is not. And the thing is, it's like, okay, but like, and to be fair, it's not like Washington won by 20. They won by like, basically it was a field goal and then it was a a stop. And then off of that stop, they got the, they got the touchdown. Right. So I think that's the big takeaway here is that like, okay, yes, these teams are like, and this is one of the unique, the unique things from our rankings that, the regular, like the CFP wouldn't have or anything like that. It's like, okay, we can look at, at two teams, at basically a, a ranked team and a non-ranked team playing a close game, and we can say, okay, that ranked team, actually, that unranked team should probably actually be ranked based off of that. Even though they lost, they should probably be ranked. But other people will be like, no, we that team wasn't ranked. They lost to a ranked team, so therefore they should still not be ranked. Then that's the that's the problem, and that's why I think our models are better in, in a lot of cases than than that. So... Yeah, um, you know, kind of occurs to me that basically when 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 we have this four team playoff, uh, and you'll kind of get the theme here that includes USC, Washington, Florida State, and LSU. We should just score it by like volleyball, like so, like you know, Washington basically won last week seven to six. Um, yeah, just, <laughs> that's kind of how it goes, you know. They 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 had like a they they stopped serve on one on one serve, and that was the yeah. difference. It's basically it, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, top twenty offenses. God, LSU. I you know it just seems crazy to say, but they're tracking ahead of that two thousand nineteen LSU offense. I mean, they're a touchdown ahead of USC, which you know seems almost unstoppable. And what are they like nine points ahead of this Washington offense, which is just unreal as well. Um, Ole Miss jumps into the top twenty. Not surprising. 
Louisville, I think they were in and out, so they're back in again. And Georgia Tech um, stays in the top 20 at number 17. Um, no real surprises for, for me on this one, though. Yeah, I think like it's it's interesting that this LSU team is all, so good on offense, and they showed that, except that they just kind of got shut down there in the end against Bama. Bama had two stops, and again, it was a 10-point – no, uh, was it 10-point or two – no, 14-point. It was 14-point win. Um, again, very, very similar thing. It's just like, okay, you got to stop, and then you got another, you got two stops, and then we scored on those, and that's it. That was the game. And I think it's um, – I think people are, are really kind of underlooking how good that LSU offense is and the fact that it actually is still a really good offense. And it may not pay off this year um, because now it's a three-loss LSU team. Um, but in next year, watch out for this LSU team with Brian Kelly again. And maybe we said we said it last year too, and we'll say it again. But watch out for this. This LSU team will do something. And next year, when they have the expanded playoff, they'd be a playoff team, right? So that's something yeah, to keep I, track of for sure. I didn't see this offense being anywhere near this good. I thought they'd be okayish, but not not this good. And since we're talking about LSU, I kind of want to um, make a point draw a parallel to um, a different situation, you know, the team that's right behind them, their defensive coordinator, Matt house. Now I, I have probably more faith in Brian Kelly, maybe than any other person. That's not a, a fan of his program. Um, what's interesting was Matt house, his defensive coordinator. I, I looked up his, his background. Um, he was a defensive, he, he was a defensive coordinator before, but it was at Kentucky. And I want to bring up that, you know, the, the the head coach there is, is uh, Mark Stoops, who's a former defensive coordinator as well. And I bring that up because I've seen some people throw out names like the Rutgers DC as maybe the, you know, the next guy to be the USC um, defensive coordinator. I think you got to be really careful when you, when, when you, when you do that kind of move, because you don't really know who's running that offense and who's really calling the shots. I think, especially number one at a high profile job like USC number two, when the head coach is an offensive guy, um, you need somebody that's basically been completely responsible for the defense. So um, kind of like why I like going back to part one, Zach Arnett for that job. Cause you know, he coached under Leach who's an offensive guy and really gives his defensive coordinator just a lot of room. So um, just kind of tying up a loose end uh, as it relates to LSU since, you know, clearly they're, <laughs> Their Achilles heel is a defensive coordinator. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Top 20 defenses. Uh, James Franklin uh, makes up some some ground on on Iowa somehow. Um, even though Iowa was was a monster against Northwestern. Um, Tennessee back in the top 20. They've been in and out a couple times. Utah, I think they've been in and out as well. And same with Louisville. Um Again, not to make this a sweepstakes about um, who's the next USC defensive coordinator, but I see Iowa State there and John Heacock. I thought about this too. You know, he actually had a lot of success against Oklahoma when Lincoln Riley was there. So that might be somebody that he steals um, just because, you know, he knows firsthand. I mean, I think he beat, he beat them once, maybe twice, and I think he came close a third time. Um, other than that, you know, the other thing that's interesting is Oregon was like, I think, I think they were number three about a month ago. Um, not saying their defense is bad. It's just an interesting slide. Now conference games will do that to you. Um, 
not sure how many great offenses they've played besides Washington, though. So that's interesting. USC might put up a few more points than people think. And I don't think that's one of the games we're going to talk about. Um, of course, you know, I don't know. If you had to put an over, over under on the number of times Oregon's going to punt on Saturday, what would you make it? A half? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd probably like, one. Probably one. That'd be a safe number. One and a half under. Yeah, I mean, you said that. <laughs> I said under, under one and a half, and then I make that line even, nine, minus 110 on each side. Or whatever the thing yeah. is, you know. Yeah. UCLA fell a little bit out of that elite category, so they're not uh they're not really eligible for consideration for an underplay. Um so I play I play them under, even though it's not an official uh model play, but just kind of my own emotion, just how strong they are. And I think they play Arizona State this week in the Arizona State. I don't know if you caught this in part one we discussed a little bit. Um they have a little bit of a problem at, at the quarterback position. I don't know if you're aware of that. Yeah, a little, little bit <laughs> yeah. of a problem. Mostly the fact I have no idea who is their starting quarterback now. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, the group of five top ten. This is where things get a little spicy. Um, Liberty, as we've mentioned a couple times between part one and part two, is the best team in – you know what I don't have? I need to include your rankings in this too. Because um, yeah. I think you have Liberty as as the top one, um, two, yeah. G five as well. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. Shame on me for not doing that. You know, this was really interesting. San Jose State just jumps into the top ten at, and, and all the way up at number six. Um, and they actually play Fresno State this week. That'll be a good test about how legitimate that is. Um, I didn't see that coming at all. They've, you know, um, and bad on me again for not having your rankings. I'm really curious how how high your model is on them. Um, Air Force, you know, aside from that debacle, stays in the top 10. Um, what's interesting there is my model doesn't really punish fumbles. And I think of their six turnovers last week, four were fumbles. So you get kind of freebies on those. Um, and Miami of Ohio sneaks into the top 10, although I think their quarterback, Brick Gabbert's out for the season. I know that I asked you when you ran your numbers to take him out yeah. of the, of the, the yeah, model. So, so we'll see how long they stay up there. Yeah, for reference, whoever played for each team, whoever played, it, it basically goes through all the data, and whoever played the most snaps at quarterback last year is assumed to be the starter for the next week. Okay. So that, so that, so basically, that's specifically because there's 133 teams, and there's no way I can keep track of starting quarterbacks <laughs> for 133 teams, or yeah. even like. Um, it's even doing that now for running back. So, for example, if someone if someone on like offense, like a running back, or whatever, didn't play uh, running back uh, last last week, mm. they, or yeah. he didn't play at all last week, he's not he's not playing this week. So now you have a problem when a guy comes back from injury, but the assumption is that like then he'll just be he's just at like so it's not perfect, but it's better than nothing because we have no way to tell for injury reports, right? I'm not going to be like, oh, Liberty's second string running back is back this week. Cool. Like, no, that's not happening. <laughs> I'm looking here. I don't. Uh... Would you have San Jose State like as an abbreviation? Maybe as STSU or. No, I, I have them as. I do have them higher, actually, I think. Uh, oh, no, I, I don't have them that high. I have them like 78th, but when you adjust for it. Uh... You have the accent over the. Yeah, there's a couple Sneaky in our guy. models where I, we have a couple of different words. I have the accent yeah. on the E. I, you, you have Middle Tennessee State. I have Middle Tennessee. It's very similar, but it's just small little 
things. Um, but yeah, no, I have San Jose State is relatively high. Um, I think they're actually pretty good. Um, South Alabama, James Madison as well, yeah. I agree with this. Air Force, they're just absolutely tumbling down the rankings after whatever that was against uh, <laughs> against Army, yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, top 10 quarterbacks. Michael Pratt, just uh, from outside of the top 10, just runs in. Interesting. Run, jumps in at number five. Um, had a good game against Tulane. I don't know how they only got 13 points. That Something really doesn't make sense in that game, that weird – 13-10 win over horrible East Carolina. And look who came in at number nine to save the season uh, for unfortunate Arkansas State fans and stick them with Butch Jones for a couple more years. Jalen Rayner, um, you know, one of those, I can't even call him, I think we have to have a new segment next year in part one called UFOs, where, you know, <laughs> my old boss would just say, well, everything's okay as long as the UFO doesn't come in and just from out of nowhere and screw things up. And I think we've had UFOs in him, in Keelan Stokes, in this Cade kid, I forget his last name, um, at UTEP, this guy, um, I'm, I'm, who am I? I'm forgetting. Oh, Castellanos at Boston college. Yeah. TJ, TJ Finley, who was not slated to start. Um, just another UFO. And this UFO just ran to the top 10 here. Um, my gosh. The other thing I'd like to point out too, is we're at that point now where some of these, um, podcasts with the national writers, who stink at this? They're 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 doing the thing now after um, Alabama's big win, saying, "Hey, let me tell you, folks. You know who's actually a good quarterback is Jalen Milrow." And my gosh, how long have I been saying? You know, first of all, I said, "Well, here he is," and I don't believe it, but it's there. He's been there for like five or six weeks in the top ten, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I can't say I hate to say it. I love to say it, but it's just frustrating. Once again, we're way ahead of the story. You know, when these guys break it five or six weeks later, to, you know, like they're the first to know and to let the rest of us know what they, you know, what the real scoop is. So welcome to the party, guys. It's about over. We, you know, we've been here for so, five weeks. When is that for Liberty? Is it going to be like they're going to beat up like some yeah. team in like the second last week of the season and be like, oh, my God, guys, Liberty's actually good. We're just I like I'll just like like yeah. flip over whatever desk I'm in front of. I'll just be like, it's <laughs> Well, we talked about in, in part one, they have an easy schedule. So maybe they just, you know, maybe they win their conference championship like 50 to three over, over New Mexico state. And then it's going to be, Hey, you know what? You know, we didn't talk about it, but you know what? Liberty is actually pretty good. We really Thanks. slept on this Liberty team as they like destroy no. like the, the, yeah, the conference game 50 to three. They're like, wow, we really slept on them. <laughs> All right. Uh, top 10. Player Ryan's uh, new name in here, Ricky White at UNLV. Um, I was really upset when UNLV fired Marcus Arroyo. I don't know if we talked about their offensive coordinator. He was the he was the wide receiver coach at Pitt when Jordan Addison was there, and then it was his departure that really led Addison to transfer to USC. And he was the wide receiver coach last year at Texas, so he um, clearly is doing something right um, with their offense. And interesting name to 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 pop up there um you know want to also point out that you had two top 10 uh wide receivers in polk and odunze going against number five in washington and this week we have a top 10 matchup in in washington uh taj washington to not confuse the matter from usc going against troy franklin number nine uh with oregon that'll be i don't know 
lot of points in that one. I don't think I'm yeah. playing the over, but that would, I don't know. I'd be hard pressed to play the under in that one. I mean, it's the thing is, it's fourteen and a half now. Is it fourteen? It's something. It's like two two full scores. Yeah, I think I saw it at fifteen now. It's just it's so big, and it's like now. To be fair, it's and and this is kind. They're basically telling on themselves because they're basically saying, "Yeah, okay, Oregon's better than Washington," <clears throat> because it's like okay, like they Washington was like four point favorites or three three and a half whatever against USC. But like Oregon is now like fourteen, and then like, but yet, and, and and the best part is you look at the Heisman odds now, and it's literally I think Bo Nix and Michael Penix like both plus one seventy five, which I think is them basically saying okay, whoever wins the conference wins the Heisman, which is hilarious because that's not what how that's not how this is supposed to work. But fine, this is that's basically them both saying okay, if they both go to the conference championship game undefeated, whoever wins wins the Heisman, which is not how this is supposed to work. But fine, I guess if we've just decided that okay. Um, but no, this is basically them saying, yeah, Oregon's better because it's like, now, first of all, one Washington actually won by 10. So now Oregon's like, okay, it's that 10 plus another almost score, like half of a score. And then now they're like, well, this also in Oregon's spread is like 10 points higher than the Washington initial one. Now, the other, the only thing I'd be concerned about in that matchup specifically is because they fired uh, Alex Grinch. So who is the defensive coordinator? And I'd be kind of worried that it could be someone maybe good. I don't know who, but I don't even know who knows defense on that team. And if there was someone on the team who knew defense, I don't know why that person wasn't put in charge weeks ago. So, um, yeah. You're not alone in that sentiment. I can tell you that. Um, like the only thing, like I, yeah. I feel like they fired him because they, they had to, they're like, okay, like they were going to fire him anyways. So just like, let's just do it now. But like, if there was someone who could have been defensive coordinator, why wasn't that person defensive coordinator? Like, months ago like when they played a close game against arizona state i would have been like okay now is the time to make a change um but i don't know yeah and for the record actually the they have co-interim defensive coordinators um sean Nua, the defensive line coach who um i want to say did good work with uh, ojabo and hutchinson at michigan although mm-hmm. they kind of had a head start knowing the opposing team's <laughs> plays um, yeah. And then the other guy is um, Brian Odom, who, when Riley left to come to Oklahoma, um, you know, he took Grinch with him. So Odom was actually the interim defensive coordinator for the uh, for the bowl game. Um, then he came mm. over later. So he has run an offense um, for one game. Actually, what's interesting is I, I forgot about this. That was actually that interim um, bowl, that interim game. The, the bowl game where he was interim DC was against all teams, Oregon. Interestingly enough. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That was Oklahoma versus Oregon. Actually fun fact. People are now, I've seen a couple of projections online with Outback bowl, USC versus Oklahoma. Oh my gosh. I just, you know, and it'd it, be better. You go ahead. Yes. It, it can happen. Right. Cause last year the Outback bowl was Oklahoma for, Oh no, two, no, two years ago it was Oklahoma versus Oregon. Mm-hmm. And it's the same. It's Pac-12 versus Big 12, and it's like okay, it's Oklahoma again. And then, uh, but like that could happen. That would be amazing. That game would be amazing if that happened. That would be. Um, I was I, I was thinking that we might be looking more at. I think is it the Cheez It Bowl that Oregon played in last year against an ACC team, and we could have was like it North a, Carolina. You know, yes, yeah. You could Oregon have two played North huge... Carolina, but was it in the? I can't remember if it was in the Cheez It Bowl or it was a different bowl. Or is it maybe the Duke's Mayo? One of those two. Um, although I have a uh, feeling that we would have remembered Dan Lanning getting mail 
portal over his head. No, last year the Duke's Mail Bowl was uh, Maryland. Maryland beat someone in the okay. Duke's Mail Bowl last year. And the, league before, the year before it was Wisconsin because Graham Mertz won the Mail Bowl, I remember. <laughs> I'm glad you more th- remember the important stuff. Um, yes. These are the important whatever, things. I, I think it is the Cheez-It Bowl. Um, whatever bowl that is, it would just be a great dynamic of Riley versus Riley and you know, four loss disappointment against four loss disappointment. Um, yeah. Or maybe five loss disappointment versus five loss disappointment. All right. Um, as my wife is coming home, you'll hear the dogs barking soon in the background. Um, top team, Ryan, Oregon sneaks into the top 10. I think what happened there is they screwed around a little bit with um, Cal and then said, okay, we'll just score 60 on you guys and show you what a, what a good afternoon is like. So, I think that's what happened there. Mm-hmm. Although, interestingly, to go back to the the, the players, um, Troy Frank, Franklin was higher, so they probably had a couple other guys really step up and, and, and goose that number up a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, a battle of top 10 teams between them and, and USC uh, this week. Going to be some points scored in that game, I, I think we're, we're yeah. pretty comfortable seeing. Yeah. All right. Um, top G Gabs, top running offenses, three new entrants here. Uh, Cincinnati was a surprising because they lost again. Um, I think they were kind of who they just play was it UCF? Yeah, it was UCF. That's how UCF got, UCF got their first conference win. Okay. Um, interesting. So I guess they ran well. Question mark. Um, LSU. Maybe that's a function of the Jaden Daniels. Injury and they ran more. I didn't really see much of that game. I was too busy. So Daniel also he also ran a ton oh, too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. And then Jacksonville State. Now this is really weird. This is kind of the secondary lesson. Um, what is that saying against South Carolina when a conference USA team who's not much as I like Jacksonville State and admire what they're doing, I don't think they're even going to make their their conference t- title game. When you vault them into the top 10 in this graphic, um, I'm really concerned about what South Carolina is. So the thing is, I'm not sure if you saw that game, but Jacksonville State was driving down the field that game with a chance to win and pick six. Now, to be fair, that sucked for me because I had a bunch of like plus 600 Jacksonville State money lines, but I also Mm -hmm. had a bunch of of plus 14 and a half. So like that didn't matter for that. And like I was like, I've won now it's over. Um, but at the same time, though, it's just like, like when I first saw that, I was like, this sucks for my money line bets. But also, like, if you're South Carolina, you should be terrified here that you need a pick six to almost cover the spread, like to still not cover the spread fully against a, a team that just came up from the FCS. Like, that's a problem. And people are like, and I, and I saw it. People are like, oh, uh, on, on the highlights, I'm like, oh, South Carolina getting notching a win. I'm like, they, they needed a pick six to win by double digits against yeah. a team they are 15 and a half point favorites against. Like, again, I, like the review shows that they have, they have no concept of spreads of mark. Like, they, they're just like, oh, that team A won, so therefore they're better. It's like, no, the team was like a 15 point favorite. They won by 10 off of a pick six. Like, no. That's no, they they were in serious trouble, and yeah. not only were they in serious trouble, they were kind of passing at will with that. Uh, let me go back here. I think he's in the top. He had to be Xavier like yeah, yeah, this kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just went nuts. He went absolutely. Rattler nuts. had like four hundred. Yeah, they had like four hundred passing yards, and like and like he was going nuts. And then I look at the scores like twenty eight, twenty eight. I'm like, what? <laughs> like yeah. how is this? Yeah. 
Yeah, South yeah. Carolina, there's some problems there. Um, yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. All right. Uh, bum list. Wow. A lot of new names here. Um, in fairness to Mr. Wimsat, jumping in at number three, um, it's no fun playing in the Big Ten East. They just played the best defense that we know um, in Ohio State. Um, Hudson Card, a, kind of the same situation, although he just played Michigan. Uh, Josh Hoover, I was not aware that TCO was struggling so bad throwing the ball. Um, I guess I also didn't know that um, – no, I've forgotten his name. Who was the quarterback at the beginning of the season? Uh, Morris. Chandler, Chandler Morris. Yeah, I guess he's hurt. I just, I must have missed that. TCU just went under I think the this is like, I think there are three quarterbacks down the depth chart right now. Jeez. Just, they lost a Colorado game where they just went completely off the grid. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Andrew Peasley of Wyoming, not a surprise, only that it took him so long to get here. Wyoming is not good throwing the ball. Uh, Ditto Eastern Michigan, who's kind of been, uh, you know, a leader on the on the other side for a while. And Jace Bauer, a new name, Central Michigan. Although, as we saw, unless somebody else was playing quarterback tonight, it uh, looked like he had a pretty good game as we kind of were watching that out of the corner of our eye. Were you watching that one or the Buffalo game? I, I was watching kind of both. So, unfortunately, <laughs> I did bet Buffalo plus seven uh, with Cole Snyder. And to be fair, I feel like that was the right side to that game because it was a very low scoring game and Buffalo actually almost had a chance to win that game. So I'm sorry. Uh, wait, wait, with who? I'm sorry. Was it, you, you put money on this guy right here? Is that? Yeah. I, I, I regret that a little bit yeah. now. Um, just, just to be clear, the one guy that's worse than Keegan Shoemaker. <laughs> the guy who's worse than everybody. Yes. I, I did in fact put money on him. And the thing is crazy enough. I feel like it was the right call. Cause like they almost won that game, but then they lost by 10 and didn't cover the plus seven. But then also, yeah, central Michigan was doing weird, was weirdly doing things, but then Western Michigan came in and finished off and just crushed them. Um, so that, but yeah, he was doing some stuff, but then luckily enough, Western Michigan got me the cover there. So that's, that's pretty good. Um, one thing I will say though, about, uh, about Rutgers and, and in Ohio state in general, because it's, it's funny because I've now seen people saying like, Oh, why are we giving Ohio state the number one overall ranking? They can't play on the road because they were actually, I think they were either losing or tied with Rutgers at the half. And then now they, then they went on and eventually actually covered the spread. So they actually covered the spread against Rutgers, and now I'm seeing stuff from media people like Ohio can't play on the road. You're expecting this team to go into into um, into Ann Arbor and beat uh, beat Michigan? They can't do, but like they're forgetting the fact that one, okay, they played in Indiana. Indiana is apparently randomly good, depending on which week it is. <laughs> they have now played in Rutgers, and Rutgers is actually pretty good. They forget that Michigan did not destroy Rutgers either. Rutgers actually has a pretty good defense. Penn State shut them down a bit because Penn State actually has a good defense too, but then Ohio State's defense shut them down. Like, I think people are so used to Ohio State hanging 40 to 50 points on people that when Ohio State now plays much – and the thing is, the thing about Ohio State, one of the reasons why we liked them so much last year, and, and we said this a lot, was, okay, their offense is terrifying, but their defense is also really good too. Like, their defense was able to shut down a lot of teams last year. They didn't – like, when Ohio State would score a bunch of points, and then they wouldn't let up a lot of points either. And I think people forget that their defense was so good and their defense is taking a step up and their offense is taking a step back, but their offense is still like decent and it's their defense is really good now. So yes, this Ohio state team wins in different ways, but I think when you have that expectation of Ohio state's going to go out there and score 50 every week and then they, they don't do that. You're like, what's wrong with Ohio state. And I like one Ohio State's going to be out for blood against Michigan in a couple of weeks. I think they have like I think Ohio State has basically nothing left. I think they have like two functional bye weeks, I believe. Mm-hmm. And 
on top of that, like they have a really, really good defense. Like that game is going to be close. And I like they're going to like if I'm Ryan Day, I'm building an entirely brand new signal tree. I'm starting now and we are not going to use that signal tree until we play Michigan. And that's that's going to be the first time we ever use it. And that's it. And I, I think that's a very winnable path for them. I think they I think they can like I first of all, like I've been betting a lot of Ohio State to win the Big Ten for a couple of reasons because I suspect something is going there's gonna be some punishment levied on Michigan and that could theoretically affect their ability to win the Big Ten. I think people are kind of severely underrating that. There could be some sort of suspension on Harbaugh. There could there could be something. And I think that something could impact their ability to win the Big Ten regardless. But like also I just think Ohio State can win the Big Ten. And I think that if you're like if you've got that game as even and you're now and, and basically you're like I also think Mich- I think Ohio State can actually just beat Michigan, then that's the thing. Also Michigan plays uh Penn State this week too. They could lose to, they could lose that game as well. So lots of different things to take into account when you when you're when you're evaluating Ohio State here. Yeah, uh, a couple of things. Um, I think it was two weeks ago I did that graphic on the the incredibly tough pass defenses that McCord has faced over the last month. And since then, he's faced – I forget who they played two weeks ago. But Rutgers – I think Rutgers was in the top ten in my pass defenses um, actually going into that game. So I want to update that graphic before um, you know the week of Mi- Michigan-Ohio State because that would be really instructive. Remember that I think McCord's average um, opponent had an average uh, defensive apex of like 74, which probably is lower now after throwing Rutgers in there. And um, McCarthy had faced at that time, I think the average pass defense was literally 100. So he faced literally an average FBS defense um, for this year. So it'll be interesting to see how that ages. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, what do we got next here? A defensive apex. Here we go. Rutgers number nine, just on that topic. Yeah. So yep. that's, I mean, I don't know. Let, let's just look here real quick. Uh, which of these teams has Michigan faced? Any of them? I don't believe so. Rutgers. Oh, yeah. Okay. So that's mm-hmm. one. Yep. Okay. So. Yeah, I, I think that Delta is still going to be there. Clemson jumps into the top 10, oddly facing good against bad defenses, Notre Dame. SMU just um, kind of just kicking it on, on all cylinders now, defense and offense, now pass defense. They jump into the top 10 here. And I don't know if Toledo had been there before, but um, you know the strength of their team had really been offense so far. Um, although I think this is on the strength of <laughs> not to pick on you on that on going against uh Cole Snyder last week. That that was that was the game last week, right? That actually happened, I think, right before our pod or during the pod, the Toledo mm-hmm. Buffalo game. I think it was Tuesday of last week. Yeah, Toledo Buffalo was during the pod, yeah. Yeah. So I think that that awesome Cole Snyder performance <laughs> threw Toledo to the top ten here. No no surprises, mm-hmm. I'm guessing. Any comments? No, that's that's roughly what I expect. Again, a lot of Big Ten teams there. Yeah. Um, all right. The top run defenses. Three new teams at the bottom. Um, Texas, not surprising. They've got a really good defensive line. I mean, Pittsburgh, just literally nothing surprises you with Pittsburgh anymore. I Maybe you feel differently. I mean, they could I, just literally. It's 
there's no explaining any Narduzzi team. Um, and Tennessee's yeah, had a good def- oh, go ahead. Well, yeah, well, with Pittsburgh, they somehow covered the spread against Florida State. And while they, they somehow covered yeah. the spread against Florida State while Jordan Travis threw for 300 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, just – Having said that, I just, I, I just, I, I cringe every time there's a number that's close to telling me that I have to bet on Pitt. Just, I don't want to do it. I just don't want to no, do I, it. I refuse. I'm done. And <laughs> the best part, the, the nice thing is, is we only have a couple more weeks because they're not making a bowl, right? So yeah. that's it. So it's well, good. yeah, well, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't think they're going to stink into the ACC title game. Not sure about that, but um. <laughs> you never know. Yeah, Let's and this how- wrap it up. Go yeah, ahead. how far away? Is, I'll check how far Pitt away is away from a bowl game. You 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 wrap it up. Yeah. Let me see there. Jesus, they're two and seven overall. They're done. Yeah, they're done. Yeah, right. Okay, thank God. Okay, yeah. we don't have to worry about a bowl spread no. for them. That's it. <clears throat> um, and then just wrap this one up. Tennessee, they've had a good defense. You know, we were again early on them. They jumped in our top top fifteens long before everybody else. And you know, it kind of felt it was weird. It was the same week that they jumped in, so it was kind of nice uh, mutual confirmation of each other's polls there. So mm-hmm. um, not a surprise. And it was really their defense first that, that got them up there that high. All right. Want to dig into some games and figure out what we do or do not know. Yeah. So All right. This... Please. <laughs> okay. So this one... SMU? Yeah. We'll jump in here. North Texas is like the most confounding team. They are, I think they're what two? They they also have like two wins, I think, right? Uh, I think. three and six. Three and six. So this North Texas team is so weird. I don't understand. They they go from like okay, we're gonna win games to then barely losing games. Like they lost by eight. They lost, I think, to Memphis last week by either a touchdown or a field, like either by four or three points. I can't remember if it was last second touchdown or a field goal. But we've been on them the last couple of weeks. They they pushed last week against uh, Memphis. Uh, whoever they played. No, they didn't play Memphis, Memphis last week. Who who they play last week? I don't remember who they played. But it's um, whoever they played. They pushed. It was an eight point spread. And they pushed the eight. But now they're at SMU with seventeen. I've got this game. I think even no North Texas minus one, and I'm getting seventeen. So. And again, last week, Rice played um, SMU pretty close. They kind of showed me up there. So I, I don't hate North Texas here. I, I think this SMU team might be a little overvalued. This North Texas team is actually pretty good as well. I, I don't hate North Texas here. Yeah, uh, they pushed against UTSA. That's who you're thinking of. Uh, North Texas did. Yeah, yeah. Your thinking is right along with mine. Um, I kind of uh, gave you the professor scolding the uh, – the, the student who just didn't pay attention. I had Class. a deeper dive on SMU and I said, look, it's, they literally play the four easiest teams in the American and they're, they're not playing world beaters, but it, they're going to step up a competition. And my guy, Robert said, I like SMU this week. So not to pick on you, but um, I think yeah. that there's, you know, I think this is one of those classic group of five. The market doesn't know this. I see this as a, as a, as a, a, a weak analog and much lesser version of the, the fall of Marshall where Marshall just had that early season cakewalk. And it was just, you know, it was bound to regress. I don't see SMU losing. Um, but I think that, that, that close call against rice was probably a little more what they are. And I think you're going to see the same. I don't see North Texas winning this one, but they are confounding. 
the, the whole American just has really been tough for me this season. As much as I've loved Conference USA, just the opposite of what I'm going to call Conference. I, I called them Conference USA Plus before the season. I might call them Conference USA Minus now. Um, yeah. The American's been tough, but I just, I, I, I think SMU is going to be, again, not as strong as, as, as the market thinks here. And just, I think they win, but don't cover just like last week. So we're of the same mind here. That's almost like we rehearsed that, but we did not. No, we did not. Um, the next one, Michigan giving for at Penn state. I think that, is this still, yeah, it's still four and a half. Okay. Yeah, maybe five at some places I'm seeing here. You know, I guess my, my, my first thought was, as I saw this number, I thought this is going to go up to, 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 to five and a half or so, or maybe even six. There's got to be some kind of like sentiment about at some point it's going to be, I'm just thinking the market's going to say, it's James Franklin. What are we doing here? It, why, why is this, you know, just over a field goal? On the other hand, maybe there's some uncertainty about um, Harbaugh. And if he's going to be coaching, maybe that's kind of keeping this number down artificially. That's honestly, that was my thought too. When I saw that four and a half, cause I saw, I saw sevens and I saw like a six and a half and then I saw four and a half and I'm like, are they, but it's weird because they're penciling in Harbaugh, not coaching this game. But then at the same time, they're penciling in, like they still have Michigan as favorites to win the big 10. So which one is it? Is <laughs> Michigan, is Harbaugh at risk of being suspended before this game? Or is he not like, they're gonna, are they going to suspend him for one game and just mess everything up? I don't know. I have Michigan here as like 15-point favorites, which is actually kind of, I think, similar to – that's roughly what Ohio State beat Penn State by. I I don't know. I, I On one hand, the problem is now we have to kind of start – see, this is the issue, right? We now have, we we have to kind of question ourselves with Michigan, right? Because our models we can we cannot we we can't account for or detect the cheating that they were doing, right? Like in our model, you stop uh, your opponent completely. Our model's like that's a great play, good job. But in real life, it was like well they we they did that because they knew what they were about to do. They knew they were about to run to the run left, right? Mm-hmm. So in that case, to a degree that helps. We don't know how much. That's the other yeah. trick. I mean, again, you have to stop. You, like, someone's running towards you, you have to physically stop him, right? And even on a passing play, it's like, okay, it's a passing play. Well, they have multiple receiving options, right? So, like, you can still it, – it, it's more complex than that. But, again, that gives a significant boost. And we have no way to account for that. And, again, Penn State and Ohio State would be would be teams that if there was – if basically if Michigan knew what they were going to do and – if that if that was the problem, that's why they had been able to win those games. Then you would expect something along the lines of Michigan of Penn State would be able to beat Michigan, and like for that reason, I part of me wants to play Penn State here because I think that. But then maybe we could be at another point where people are like they're they're trying to overbet that angle too, right? They're like Michigan is bad because I don't know. It, it's very hard for me to say, but I kind of think it's just like we just kind of stay away from this game. That's my thought on it. This the spread is too short. It's suspiciously short. But on the other hand, though, if if like again, now it's I saw this on on Sunday. It's now Tuesday, about to be Wednesday. There was rumors that the Big Ten talked to uh, Michigan on Monday. If they if they're about to suspend Harbaugh, it's happening like tomorrow or Thursday latest. Right, so if they suspend him, this four and a half suddenly goes the other way. It's then Penn State minus four and a half, right? So 
or something like that. Wow, I don't that... know the exact number, but it's probably something along the I... lines. Yeah, that'd be interesting to see. I would, I would think it maybe not be that much. Um, well, what, what would, fine, okay. How many points is Harbaugh worth? I, I begets another question: How many points is Connor Stallions worth? I mean, there's kind of a against a good team versus you know uh, Purdue. No offense to our guy Arzea. Um, mm-hmm. I think they need they need his help versus Purdue as much as you know it's helpful versus a team like a Penn State. Um, I think it'd probably go to maybe probably uh, maybe like a four point swing, maybe to like about pick. You know, the other thing mm-hmm. that sticks out to me is I'm looking at this. I actually have this about a field goal game. You know, the thing that's just a huge difference. These are both elite defensive teams. Like we, you know, when I did the graphic on the top defenses. Just the offense of Michigan is so much better than, than you know, the weak squad on this is really the Penn State offense. Um, that, I think, is where you're going to see the struggles. And I don't – boy, you know, if you just kind of say that out loud, what's the first thing you think of? It's like the same struggles that Penn State had versus Ohio State and versus Ohio State last year. It just – it kind of seems like that's – that's almost their personality now. Um well, see, th- this is where I kind of – this is why I see what the model is saying with Michigan minus 15 because it's basically saying like we have – because it, it's similar to what happened with Ohio State, right? Ohio State basically completely shut them down on, on offense. And even to a lesser extent, when Penn State played good – like good a good defensive team, when they, even when they played Iowa, their offense struggled to some degree. Now, it wasn't that bad. But a lot of those points were very substantially helped by oh, Iowa doing nothing on offense, right? You pin Iowa what? deep, and Iowa goes 0-3, and, and they punt it back to you, and then you get some pretty short fields there, right? Like, I remember watching that game, and it was like, okay, yeah, Penn State won 30 nothing. It was a pretty beleaguered 30 nothing, if that even makes – like, that's that's kind of an insane thing to say, but, like, it, it's true, though. Like, it was kind of like, yeah, okay, we'll score a touchdown, or we'll kick a field. Like, it's just like, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll – like there wasn't much resistance well, and eventually it will score. Right. Yeah. I and think it's, it's a lot. Yeah. Probably analog, a bad analog might be um, Utah just crushing Arizona state with our, our guy, Jacob Conover, literally, you know, having a Grayson James type of game and just no first downs and just, you know, just refusing to hold on to the ball at all and just give mm-hmm. him the ball back immediately, give him every chance possible. I think that there's probably a, a decent analog to that. Yeah, and I think that's the I think that's the point. And I think I think there is a like if Harbaugh isn't suspended and this line is still under six and a half by Friday, you take it. Thursday, it, it, Friday. Yeah. Like if if Harbaugh's not suspended tomorrow, you take this line and you take you take a, an alt line to get this up to like alt alt six and a half, alt nine and a half, maybe even alt thirteen and a half. Interesting. Okay. All right. Next game. Um I just thought I might be missing something here with this. This line looks suspiciously short. I don't. I. I can't say it's the line that stinks out loud because I don't really have that much faith in Texas Tech. Um. I. You know. I have this. Kansas by eleven. You have it by ten. So. You know. I got, are I got we missing point nine? But yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, you're right. Um. Mm-hmm. Is there some Jason Bean uncertainty baked into this? I don't, I don't. What are we? So. Is there anything that we're missing? I don't know. I mean, is it a yeah, different this, Texas Tech quarterback? Maybe I don't. I mean, Jaylen again, Tyler Milrow Tyler Shuck's been down there? for the second. 
Tyler Shuck's down with injury for the second straight year, so that's not a great. That's not great for them. Um, but yeah, it's like I like Kansas. Now, I think is to be fair. I, I think this is. I think this is underlooking Kansas because Kansas w- went to Iowa State last week and they were three point underdogs and they won outright. So, and yeah. I remember I, I saw that line. and I'm like, okay, something's off. I'm not touching it. But like we were right, Kansas won that game pretty handily. So maybe the market's just low on Kansas right now. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know based on what. I mean, Texas Tech is what's their record like? Are they three and six? Uh, four and five. I mean, it's one of there's. Yeah, I mean, it's not there's a, like there's a huge divergence between their their record and my metrics. I mean, I just I don't show them good or anything side of the ball. I mean, they're just basically kind of a whatever team. They're kind of like South Carolina without Spencer Rattler and Xavier Leggett. And then you've got Kansas with a, a really nice offense on the other side, a top 20, you know, literally an elite one. If you're over nine, basically you're bettable on overplays. Um, okay. I'm not, I think that I hate to say this because these are always famous last words. I think we're just ahead of the market in a power five game, I guess. I guess. Okay. Um, Georgia Tech at Clemson minus 14 and a half. And I see this, and let me update this line. I don't know if this has moved since. Um, what do we have on there now? 14 and a half. You know, my first question is, should Clemson be giving 14 and a half to anybody, let alone a, a top 20 offense? Yeah, I uh, I don't know about that. Let me just see if I find the line here. Yeah, 14 and a half. I actually have 19 and a half is the spread. So Yeah, you do. I my mom weirdly likes Clemson and to be fair it liked it last week so I'm not really doubting it. I just don't know if it's a good thing to bet. It is an early Saturday game. But Georgia Tech has done weird things. So I don't I just think there's better things to bet than than this. I'll just leave this alone. Yeah, I've got this by eight and a half. I just that seems like a lot for I don't know. Maybe the market uh, bought stock low when Dabo told him to. It's as simple as that. <laughs> we're just maybe we're just late late to that uh, to that transaction. All right, Arizona State, Arizona giving ten at Colorado. Um, it just feels a little frothy to me in terms of all of a sudden Arizona is getting like a lot of respect, and I don't know if it's proper respect or too much respect. Um, let's see what I've got this at. Yeah, I have this basically three and a half. You have this six. Um, yeah. And you actually, is- yeah, you have decay in your model. So whatever recency should be kind of baked into your number. So I think there is a bit of froth, maybe like top 25 froth in here. I feel like this is now people saying... Colorado was actually bad all the way along. And that they're now the call they're the Colorado's bad. And the thing is, like, you know what, and I actually mentioned it in our last podcast. Remember Arizona was going starting to go on that really good run and they beat Stanford by three or something. And the thing is, Colorado, they need another two they gotta win two out of three to get to a bowl game. Hell, they actually have to get one win to get over four and a half wins. They're actually still at they're four and I think uh five right now. So like Colorado needs the win. They need that they need that win. Like they need a win this week. If not, they're in trouble because they still have 
Let me just call them up super quick here. Uh, yeah, Colorado's got four and five. They got Arizona, Washington State, and Utah. So there is no gimmies there. Um, maybe Washington State or whatever's left of Washington State by uh, second last week of the season. Um, but no, it's like color. Like the thing is, if Colorado has any magic left, like and, and it's it's funny because a lot of people panned uh, Colorado for basically relieving their offensive coordinator and, and putting in Pat Shermer. Yeah. And, and 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 to be fair, I was one of those people. I actually forgot Pat Shermer was the offensive coordinator for the Denver Broncos, um, and that was a horrible Denver Broncos team. Or no, was the was he the head coach? No, he was the head coach, right? No. Yeah, he was the head coach of the Denver Broncos team. That they they, they fired him and put in uh, Nathaniel Hackett, and then he was horrible too. So I I don't remember like he was it was he did not do good as the head coach of the Denver Broncos or offensive coordinator or whatever, but. Now, and the thing is, I panned it too, but guess what? They actually covered the spread. And now it was a garbage cover, of course, but they actually did cover the spread. So maybe there is some sense to this. Maybe this makes some sense. I kind of also think that, like, I don't know. I, I feel like coaches make the right moves, even though we don't necessarily know. Like, I think we're like, oh, he's a good offensive coordinator, and that could be fine. But I think... That, like, if a head coach is making a move on an offensive coordinator, they know – maybe they know more than we know or something or I don't know. I find generally that when they do something with a, with a coordinator, they generally don't make the wrong move, if that makes sense. So, I don't know. I think at some point Colorado's going to win. Colorado's lost a couple of games straight. They need a, they need two wins to get a bowl. This seems like a perfect spot for them to get a win here. So, I think they might, they might sneak this win. Yeah, I think um, maybe this is – I'm just going to run the numbers here. So 2.8, that's about 40. Yeah, I, maybe this is what's driving that number a little higher is that that offensive performance from an expected points uh, perspective was almost their worst of the season. Only uh, UCLA and Oregon were worse, and those are literally two of the top 20 defenses. Oregon State is not a top 20 defense, um, so maybe there's a bit of a – bit of Schirmer skepticism that sets bumping that number up a little bit. True. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. App State at Georgia State minus three. What I'm taking away from this, this is kind of the secondary learning is, um, again, to pat myself on the back, App State's coming off a huge blow off, blowout win over Marshall. And I think my takeaway here is, yeah, you had a huge win and now you're a, you're a dog to Georgia State, who's a nice team. Um, basically blowing out Marshall gets you nothing in terms of credit with the market. So yeah, <laughs> kind of how you got, see that one too. Yeah. I got Georgia state minus 19 here. So no illusions <laughs> here of what's about, to, my model is no illusions here. What's what about to happen? I kind of think that it's like, I, I think people are like, Oh, app state might be back. Like, I feel like their app state is like a weirdly public team. I think there are certain G five teams that yeah. are public teams and app state's definitely one of them. And I think people are like, oh, App State's back. They figured it out. They crushed Marshall. It's like, actually, no, they didn't. They just beat a bad team, right? And that's why – and Georgia State's actually good. Like, Georgia State's one of those teams that, like, no one will bet on, but, like, they're actually a good team. So, yeah, Georgia State – I'll take Georgia State minus three here. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think this next one is the line that stinks this week. Um, yeah. 
<laughs> if you just ask here. like a like just a kind of a you know I'd say an average avid fan that doesn't bet at all. What do you think they would set the line at? Probably something like ten or eleven. Ten, yeah, like nine and a half, yeah. ten easily. So I saw this and I think it stinks. And then you've actually got this pretty much as the right number. I actually have UCF by nine and a half here. I've got UCF minus three. Oh, did I put that backwards? Yeah, it's, it's because you transposed the the home and, and visitor compared to mine. Okay. Um. Oh well, hey, you know what? Okay. Is that, that a combined one play? Yeah. Now it is. It, and not only that, it's going to be a wrong team favored. So wow. we need to. Yeah, that's not going to be in the graphic, but I will. When we get there, I'll just reemphasize that. We discovered um, one line. Yeah, it's yeah, and UCF's been a disappointment, and I basically pointed out, you know, Plumley still hasn't beaten a, a, a team that was Power Five last season with that big win over Cincinnati. Um, mm -hmm. This doesn't make sense to me, but you know, I guess the offense is is the strongest unit here is UCF's offense, and I guess and that in the home field, and admittedly, UCF is a, is is not an easy place to play, and especially for a game like this when Oklahoma State, you know, now they're ranked. And they're coming off two big back-to-back -back wins. Um, I think that's going to be an especially hostile place. That's the, that's the kind of place where it's harder to win the better that you are as a visiting team. Um, yeah, that line's down to two and a half now. This is okay. – and the thing is, here's the thing. You may have forgotten this, but if, uh, if Oklahoma State loses this game and Kansas wins and then Kansas beats Kansas State, yeah, like the, it's that ticket is still very much alive. There, there's now, a path. Yep. Yeah, there is a def there's definitely a path, and especially if Texas blows it because they're they want to. Like you could tell they want to blow a game somewhere. <laughs> if they blow it, <clears throat> yeah, say it. Like it's if they blow yeah. it, there's yeah. Oh, it's 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 a possibility. All right. Um. I, I am usually one, I'll put it this way, not to generalize. It seems that I react much less to a single game than you do. Um, and maybe I'm just kind of reversing course here. I don't see how Arkansas is giving only two and a half to Auburn. Now, Arkansas had a rough season. But, man, um, they changed offensive coordinators. And maybe this is also just kind of near and dear to me because I was crapping on Danny Enos basically from before the season. And I pointed out for weeks and weeks and weeks, the offense stinks, the offense sucks, the offense is not working. And then they fire him, and they had by far their best offensive game last week at the Swamp. Not an easy place to play, even when Florida's having a down season. Maybe Auburn got a great look, and they know what Kenny Guyton is doing on offense better than Florida did. Maybe that's a little fairness to Florida. But, I mean, they were so much better better now maybe there's some regression here but auburn's offense is so freaking bad too i just I, I i can't see this as close and i don't you know i don't know if this is too much respect for auburn plus a little bit of a disrespect for kenny guyton or just not understanding how much of a difference he makes or maybe i'm i'm too optimistic I, on that to be fair i do have auburn favored but i feel like maybe this one and combine that with the arizona one the books are kind of either over or undercompensating for coordinator changes, right? 
So, um, I mean, from difference from my model doesn't really impact coordinators, at least not yet. It might in the future, but um, basically, you're looking at a difference of five in Arizona and then five ish, maybe six, closer to six in this game for a difference coordinator. That seems low. Um, but I think Arizona and well, Colorado is whatever, right? But it's, it's, I don't know. I, I do like, I do like Arkansas here. I think Arkansas, like they were at, like one, I think I, I'm of the mind that Florida is actually like not bad, even though they are, I think what four and six, I no four and five now. Um, Florida is not bad, but I think they need, they need some help to make a bowl. Um, oh no, sorry, they're five and four. They just need one win, and they have oh, that's right, they have LSU, Missouri, and Florida State. So that's uh, yeah, it's that was the game they needed to win to get to a bowl. And uh, now, to be fair, Missouri stuff happens with Missouri. Watch for Missouri. Like that's the one where Florida could beat Missouri. Don't think they're going to beat Florida State, and they're probably not going to beat LSU. Um, but like there, there is a path there for Florida to get to a bowl. We'll see. But yeah, I'm. I, I think. I think. Uh, I think Auburn should. Uh, Arkansas should be able to win this one. Yeah. Uh, and then lastly, kind of the other side of the um, App State play is Georgia Southern giving only two and a half at Marshall. Um, I don't actually have that. My model doesn't have this as a play. I didn't take your number. I don't know what you would have this as. Maybe you. Yeah, got... I apparently have minus forty two point nine. <laughs> okay. That's the biggest um, gonna, spread I have on the board. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. Um, I think <laughs> because you've got, you know, clearly I don't need to restate the case, but again, you know, I've just got cumulative equally weighted and you've got more, you know, decay. And I think that's the quickly de- deteriorating deteriorating situation that is Marshall is more accurately reflected in your, your model than mine. So I'm going to... I'm going to make a little mark here to remind myself to, to grab the Eagles, Clay Helton's Eagles, because what USC fan doesn't love to bet on a Clay Helton. <clears throat> All right. That will bring us to my deeper dive of the week. Uh, I've referred to this a couple times in, in more in part one than part two this week. And last week we talked about this too, about the committee um, and just how little faith I, you know, I think I have in them. And to be fair, I wanted to just understand exactly how well-founded this opinion was. So I basically dug into the the backgrounds of the committee members and I've put them into two groups here. Um, This first group I've, I've, I've called instilling confidence, although mm, it's kind of a mixed bag, but this is the better group of the committee members. Um, Chris Alt, I remember him as a very successful um, head coach at Nevada. You can see his record there, conference champ nine times. Mitch Barnhart, I give him uh, a good grade as an AD when it comes to football. He hired very successful Rich Brooks and Mark Stoops. His Joker Phillips hire was not as successful. Uh, Boo Corrigan, the AD at NC State, I give him a thumbs up because he hired Jeff Munkin at Army, basically the best coach that they've ever had. Um, Jim Grobe, my gosh, you know what? If you take Wake Forest to the 2007 Orange Bowl at Wake Forest, um, I have faith in you. 
Ward Manuel, the Michigan AD, I was a little bit out on as he inherited Jim Harbaugh and really hasn't had to do anything. He did play for Michigan, so I'm kind of giving him a, a he's okay. Um, this is a little bit of a learning exercise. I didn't know this David Saylor. He is apparently the AD at Miami of Ohio. Um, he hired Chuck Martin, who's had, I think, one or two conference titles, and he's lasted for 10 years which is kind of good, although that's a little bit too long for Mac. I think at some point you want your coach to move on for a better job if he's really good. Um, Will Shields, uh, you know what? He was he was literally, when I was still an, an NFL fan, like the best offensive lineman in the NFL for years. I'm going to give him an okay, even though I don't know how much – that will make him recognize really who needs to be number five versus number seven. Um, Gene Taylor, the AD at Kansas State. He hired Chris Kleeman, which is an awesome hire. So I'm saying he's okay. Joe Taylor, I'd never heard of. Um, he's the athletic director at Virginia Union. This was interesting. I learned a lot about him. This guy deserves some respect. Uh, he was a, he used to be a coach before he was an AD at five or three or four different uh, historically back uh, colleges, universities. He has five national championships and his career record at 232 and 96. So I think these people kind of have some, the bona fides in terms of, yeah, they, they know the game. What do we see or what do we not see is basically anybody that I think would have any kind of like actual, like, you know, numerical understanding or quantification. I think that's one of the, 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 the concerns I really have is, and I don't know these people, but I just don't see any, any background here where somebody would say, well, wait a minute, you know, committee, you're telling me to use these metrics to evaluate, but how do we know these are the best metrics to use? You know, cause they do have some, but I don't know if there's just the, the mathematical horsepower to really push back and say, well, wait, why X versus Y in terms of the metrics that we are using? And yeah, these are yeah. the ones that are the better mm -hmm. of, of, of the group. Go on, please. Yeah, that, that's the thing. The, the, the argument there is that I, I, I kind of feel like, because again, ESPN, the, the ESPN does kind of does own the, the college football playoff committee, right? And I feel like they basically shove these people in a room in, I'm assuming, a Marriott <laughs> somewhere. They give them, I'm assuming, printouts. Maybe they've made it better charts, look better looking charts. I don't know. They give them some like ESPN FPI charts and say, go at it. Have fun. Yeah. And and the thing is, to be fair, there are worse ways to do it using the AP and the coaches poll. But this is not necessarily that much better because I feel like you're like, well, we gave them data. They have the ESPN FPI or whatever. And it's like, OK, but there's one. Those every metric is a, every metric is flawed. Like you cannot find a flawless metric, period. Even our metrics are flawed. And we we we, we know that and we understand like we say, mm -hmm. oh, we like this metric for this reason. But you know what? It doesn't take to account this. But you're just like, here's here's a list of numbers. Go nuts. Here's strength of schedule. Like, well, how's that calculated? I don't know. And like, you know what? Like, these guys are good. Like, uh, these are really successful head coaches, some successful ADs. I do question uh, if someone whose job it is just, just to hire or fire someone based off of on-field performance or, I guess, sideline performance, whether or not they're the necessarily the best person to decide who's the best team. That's kind of a bit of an odd thing because that's not really what their job was. But okay, sure. Maybe, I guess. But it's just you, you would want more mathematical rigor from this, and I think that definitely makes a lot of sense. And 
I think they're just giving them some numbers and being like, go nuts. And then they're like, well, this number says this, so clearly this team is better. It's like, well, or like, well, this straight the schedule says this. Or like, they've beaten more ranked teams. It's like, well, that's a useless metric because the ranking, the initial ranking as we concede every week was flawed. We're like, this ranking is wrong. And therefore, if you're like, well, they beat more ranked teams, like, well, that ranking, they should, that team should never should have been ranked, or that team should have been ranked even higher, right? So there's a lot of that where it's like, this doesn't. And, and again, like, it's funny when they, they show that graphic of, because again, the number one versus number two, Ohio State one, Georgia number two, they say that they're doing strength of schedule, which is what we believe to be functionally just team ranked wins. And it's funny that they rank, they say Ohio State has the strength, hard, toughest strength of schedule, which to be fair, I do believe it does, generally. But their argument is, well, they have the higher strength of schedule because they've beaten two ranked teams and Georgia's only beaten one ranked team, which that's a fair argument, but I don't know necessarily that's like a mathematically rigorous argument. Like there is yeah. better ways you could do that, right? Like they've no, beaten, I, I think they've it's, beaten yeah. Florida. They've beaten uh, Tennessee. Uh, no, no, Georgia hasn't played Tennessee yet, but like Georgia beat Florida. Georgia beat um, someone else, right? Like there's – Again, we, we adjust all of our stats, right? Like, we adjust things for strength of schedule and all this stuff. Like, they don't do that. They're just like, well, this team was ranked 25th and they beat them, so therefore it counts as a ranked win. It's like, well, not really, right? So, I don't know. It's – there's a lot of flaws with – like, I I think you should find – you should have more stats people on here rather than more like and, – and, and there's – that's not saying these people have no value. I, I Like, again, these are really good coaches, and I, if I was ever – making a, a team, a college team, I'd go to these guys to figure out who I should hire as a coach or to coach mm-hmm. my team. But if I'm trying to figure <clears> out who the top four teams in the country are, I don't think necessarily they're the most qualified to figure that out. Yeah. Um, really good points. Not in small part because you agree with me. Um, <laughs> a few things. You know, when you talk about the ranked wins, a, a couple of problems there. Um, does that mean if, if, if a team had beaten JMU, it wouldn't count for anything or it count for less because they're not ranked. That's why I think they need to rank JMU just to have that, that kind of placeholder. So where is um, JMU ranked then, right? <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the other thing too, is I think that when they talk about this, because there is, I think there's a lack of outside kind of, um, objective criteria that you can really grasp onto. I think this whole ranked thing, ranked wins thing is very much a self-contained argument. It's almost when you just tell your two-year-old because, because mommy said so, you don't really kind of, you can't get into it. I think they just kind of get into that because this is not their day job. Um, You know, I don't know if they use ESPN FPI, but that's a really good example. I can't tell you, you know, you know, you see, there's a lot of, a lot of overlap, but some of the differences between, you know, models, ESPN, FPI, just when they're wrong, they're just wrong on absurd stuff. I just see some of their, their percentage of, of likelihood wins. And I'm thinking, who's the idiot that's not checking this? Literally, sometimes it strikes me as something that's put together by a person who doesn't understand football and doesn't understand, all right, we're missing something here. I can't, you know, there's just results that are just not, not, their predictions here, they're just not, not conceptually correct. I, I you think know. the, I think whatever the ESPN FPI is, it has, and, and, and again, this ties into why they're not ranking Liberty. I, and, and again, I don't even know where they rank JMU. I don't think they'd rank J if they're not ranking Liberty, I don't think they're going to rank JMU that highly either. And, and again, when you see some of those like ESPN win probabilities, 
it is very, very heavily conference-based. It is like, this conference is better than this conference, therefore a team from this yeah. conference should destroy a team from the... Like, you can see their conference hierarchy ranking. And again, I have no idea what that... Like, we did our com- we've did our done our conference rankings, and, and we were like, for a while, they're like, yeah, the Pac-12 is better than the SEC. I guarantee you theirs didn't say that. That definitely is not true, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, ours was a dynamic system that you could... I mean, okay, this is one... We didn't have like pages and pages of data to show up, but like we could theoretically show people this is, this is how we calculate it and this is how we do it. But like theirs is a black box. I have no idea how they do it. And I suspect a lot of the people, and, and you're going to, I think you have other people you're going to talk about. I don't think those people are like, hey, how do you calculate that, by the way? Like, can you show us some math? Like, no, they, they did not do that. No, 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 no. This is the, this is the, the good list. Um, you know, also, you know, I've, you, I don't think you've ever explicitly said this. My goal is I don't want to be able to predict every game. I think if you do, you're going to have overfit and it's not going to be really anything other than just a very circumstantial set of parameters that's going to suck once you get two more weeks worth of data in there. I bring that up because, you know, I consider my model really good. My goal is to ideally be able to find enough games where there's enough variance that I can win 60% of the time against the the market total or the market spread and that's it and it's predictive in basically identifying where those gaps are and all the fallout is is nicely predictive as well but again that's for a a success rate of you know ideally 60 percent. so i'm going to be wrong a lot that's why you need lots and lots and lots of models not some suspect and i don't know if it's espn fpi but i would suspect that it's something along the lines of that rather than something that's, you know, me, you, K Ford, everything that's in that Nate Manzo um, composite. That's what's needed. And it basically, you know, again, the shame of it is these people don't even know what they don't know, let alone how to ask the question that they don't know to ask. Mm-hmm. And having said that, now let's get to, you know, <laughs> the real dark side of this. Uh, so the, the, the four that give me serious concerns, um, Hey, guess what? If, if you're an AD and I've talked to you about you on this podcast before, it's probably not good news. And that's this, this Chet Gladchuck guy. Um, he hired Dana Dimmel to Houston in 2000. Um, Mr. Dimmel went eight and 26, um, doing an awesome job at UTEP. Now he said sarcastically, um, <laughs> he actually made two good hires in Paul Johnson and, and Ken Nui Matalolo at Navy. Uh, which has been completely undone by the, the the absolutely farcical firing. And this is before I met you. Um, I met you at the end of the 21 season. I don't know if you remember in that season, they fired uh, offensive coordinator Ivan Jasper, and he was forced to rehire him like a day later as quarterback coach uh, in the 21 season. And Mr. Jasper is still on the squad, even though um, Ken Neomatololo got fired. So read into that what you will, how stupid that move was by Gladchuk. And when he fired Neomatololo, as I mentioned in part one, he he replaced him with failed defensive coordinator Brian Newberry, um, who if EJ Warner ever gets an NFL contract, I'm pretty sure Brian Newberry gets 5% of his first uh, contract because he's been yeah. that instrumental in, in pushing his career along. <laughs> Um, didn't know this guy, but I know him now. Mark Harlan, the the AD at Utah. You see, a hey, Utah, good at football. Well, guess what? This Dunn's hired Charlie Strong at at Southern Florida, South Florida, in two thousand seventeen. 
if that's not a disqualifying event on your resume, I don't know what is. I mean, do you know anybody? I know this is, you know, what, six or seven years ago. I didn't know a single person that knew football that said, that's a sharp hire. That's going to work out. And this is from somebody who likes to give second chances to coaches that were in bad positions. I was super skeptical. And when he won those first 10 games, literally everybody I know that knows this game said, it's a matter of time. He's living on borrowed time. And man, when it, when it fell apart, I think that he actually, Charlie Strong, that, that 2018 season, when it went down the elevator shaft, that's when it came up the, the down the elevator shaft uh, term as relates to, to college football. Yeah, that was that one is again. But the thing is, you can see, and, and the thing is, luckily enough with Utah, he doesn't have to do anything. He's got his head coach. He's good, right? Just sit there, do nothing, right? Collect your paycheck. You're good, right? But to be fair, the argument you can make for for the coaching hire at UCF was USF was, hey, he just got fired by Texas, you know. Yeah. But to be that was Texas's head coach, and you know what? Maybe he couldn't cut it at Texas, but he could cut it here, and then that didn't work, right? And to be fair, that's actually kind of similar with with. Um, with uh, Tom Herman now at at, uh, at FAU, but there was a reason why Charlie Strong. Th- to be fair, there's reasons. There's a reason why Charlie Strong was fired, and there's a reason why Tom Herman was fired. The reason Charlie Strong was fired was because he was bad at his job. The reason Tom Herman was fired was because he wasn't going to win a national championship. Those are two different reasons why someone is fired. And the mm-hmm. thing is, you could be okay with didn't win a national championship at Texas if you're FAU, but being bad at your job is not. Oh, he was bad at Texas. We'd maybe be better at USF. Like, no, that's not that's not how that works. Well, yeah, and I, I hate to bring. I'm going to say I hate to 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 bring in this parallel like this, but I kind of secretly love it. Um, you know, they'll say, "Hey, every time you meet an awesome girl girl that's available, just remember there's some guy that thinks that she's horrible and let her go." And I kind of bring that up here because I have. I don't know for sure, but I have a strong suspicion that Mr. Harlan looked at Charlie Strong and said, hey, he coached at Texas. You know what? They're paying for most of his contract. We could probably get a really good deal here, a good bang for our buck. I I, I would be shocked if that wasn't part of the process and the consideration. Um, and it's South Florida. It's not a poorly resourced program. Just, you know, F for that. That's, that's disqualifying. Um, not disqualifying, but completely mystifying is, hey, um, I'm an executive with a company called Entergy Corp, and I'm the Sugar Bowl president. Put me on the committee. Excuse me? I, I don't what? know. <laughs> First of all, so as, as, I've, as I've grown up with, with college football and, and followed it through these years, I was shocked that there was, that there was a need for a president of these bowls. I'm like, what, what do they do? Like the, the games are picked for them. What does this person? What does this person do? Three hundred and sixty-four owns the bowl. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, there, like, I'm sure there's some logistics, but you know what? You've got that in the ESPN infrastructure. Like what? What even? What even? What logistics? Like we know where the Sugar Bowl is going to be held. I guess you pick a date, but that's kind of determined, like within a time frame. Okay, but you know what? Like, yeah. We're gonna pay, and you know these people are not earning like it's not like oh we'll pay oh. you ten thousand. Like no no no, these people are earning like no. six figures to do nothing. Like you know this. well well in the six figures. Honestly, honestly, this is not hyperbole. They should pick one bowl and just say you know what, you don't have a president. We're gonna do this all via artificial intelligence and let's see what breaks. 
Yeah. And they should actually call it the AI Bowl just to go full bore yeah. on it. It's just um, run by a Arthur. That'd be funny. That'd be yep. so funny. And this, yep. I bet it could happen without a without a problem. So maybe maybe the thought there is, hey, this guy was was smart enough to finagle his way to a job that pays three hundred thousand dollars a year to wear a strangely colored colored blazer and shake a few hands. Um, clearly, he deserves to be on the committee. As does, um, apparently, you know, the person who's now, you know, in middle of November saying, hey, guys, you know what? Jalen Milrow is a good quarterback. Uh, yeah, those national dopes. Well, they have one of their own on here. This person, Kelly Whiteside, who was a, a national college football writer for USA Today. I cannot think of a single profession that I will want less on this committee than that. Literally, these dopes that'll say, you know, hey, uh, so-and-so went to school X and school X is now open. Uh, I'm sure he's a candidate for the job. No, he stinks. He's stupid. These same guys that come up with these dumb ideas. You got one of their own on this committee. Are you kidding me? Are you mm -hmm. kidding me? I mean, it's, it, it's funny because like, and, and to be fair, like I, I work with politics a lot and there are, a, no, I, I, I know a lot of reporters. I know a lot of good reporters. And at the same time, I know a lot of reporters that if like they cover politics and they should not. And, and to be fair, a lot of them are actually American. Uh, a lot of the American political commentators are just like, no, this person, I don't know how they got this job. I don't know why they're covering American politics, but they should not be. And and like it's the same thing. It's like, I mean, there's no equivalent to the CFP for politics. But if there was, I mean, I think some journalists, yes, but I think just start picking like random journalists and it's like, no, but I, I just like, again, there's no, there's nothing on data here. There's just a guy who runs a bowl. He, that's why he's on the committee. Like, I don't understand like no. nothing. There's no data here. No, still no data analytics. Right. So. Yeah. I just, I don't even know if I, what, what I, I, what, what fear I have more is it that these people are driving some points and making cases for some teams, or they're just like empty votes that are just kind of sit there and just told to vote this way or that way. I, I don't know which is better. Just, you know, I don't get any of these people being on it. Literally. I, I, I don't know. It must be truly a thankless task where they can't get enough people for the, you know, for the committee. I don't know, but so there's your, um, there's your feel good session about the, the committee. And if you're wondering why there's a stupid thing, like, like Liberty's not ranked, here's your answer so, because the dope yeah. that wrote for USA today wouldn't know Liberty. If Jamie Chadwell, you know, got his, um, what do you call that stupid haircut that he had? Mullet. Um, if he, if he got his mullet back on and ran right in front of her, he, she wouldn't know what's going on. So, and, and this is the point, right? Because like, okay, there's a couple people who have been coaches and a couple of people who have had like meaningful contributions to the game of football. The Sugar Bowl president is not someone who's had a meaningful contribution to the game of football, but okay. But if you start padding it with random other people, you amplify the possibility of corruption here, right? And again, mm -hmm. I will I will use this example because it's the most recent and I am in no way accusing anybody of anything here, but I'm saying last year there was a big controversy with Alabama not making it to the college football playoff because they were fifth and and some people said that they should have been uh, like Ohio State didn't there, there was arguments about Ohio State didn't uh, like they should have been in over Ohio State or over whatever. And the thing is, the more people you have on this committee, the more chances that they could know potentially like Nick Saban can know that person or know someone who does know them. And then you can have lobbying or literally just straight up corruption. Now, again, I'm not accusing Nick Saban. I, I don't think Nick Saban is, is act, but like 
that that situation, like that coach in that fifth or sixth spot or whatever, there's nothing stopping them. If they know these people, like if you know the president of, say, the Sugar Bowl or that writer or an AD from someone who maybe you crossed path with years ago or maybe you got them a job at it, like you could be like, hey, you should make the argument to the other people to rank us, right? And if they're not standing there with like rigorous math backing up their rankings, they could be swayed by some random person saying, hey, you know, we should rank this. Because like, you think that coach is just going to be like, hey, tell them to put me, they're going to feed them a bunch of favorable stats and then they're going to put down some graph on the table in the middle of the conference room in that Marriott and be yeah. like, hey, you should, uh, you should rank this. Like, and again, it's probably not the biggest of concerns, but like that, that the more you pack this with random people that there's, that concern exists. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't worry so much about a Nick Saban as much as you know the SEC fans who paid a hundred thousand dollars to get Cam Newton, or a hundred thousand dollars <laughs> to get um, Albert Means at Alabama. Those are the ones where I think it yes. get really nasty to that point. So, really good point. Okay, um, thank you for letting me get that off my chest. I feel a lot better and a lot worse at the same time. I like. I like at least. I feel better having shared the ineptitude of these four dopes. I'm sure they're smart people in what they do, but in the in the milieu of of who should be deciding college football rankings, dope, 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 dope. Sorry, get off my committee. Mm-hmm. All right, <laughs> and that's me. That's not Robert, although he's nodding. Don't, I'm not going to say he agrees with me. Buck the bookie. That's Buck with a B. Uh, for those of you who are reading the transcription at home, um, <laughs> you've got a, you've got a full plate here. I don't know if you you feel any. Uh, yeah. Any urges to, to make any moves here? I'm pretty good. We can cross a couple of some of these have lost now. LSU, that was painful. Air Force did lose last week, but that did not affect their odds to win the Mountain yeah. West because Army is a non conference opponent. So yep. that is still uh that is still live. Um but yeah, I think uh LS our bets on LSU and Michigan last uh, LSU and Missouri last week um didn't pay off. Missouri came close and LSU also came close. I think it was worth a shot there, but um I kind of yeah, got you I by giving gonna... you nine, plus plus nine hundred on LSU. I baited you to do that forty yeah, points. Yeah, you you did bait me. I was going to go lower. I was going to like twenty, and then you baited me. But that's that's okay. We'll we'll move on. But okay. yeah, I, I still I've got a lot of good looking stuff. Ohio State, um, and the, the thing is, yeah, you're you're a bit ahead there of of DraftKings. So yeah, we've got some. Uh, some bets will be – we've got some conference championship games. That's going to be a very big weekend for a lot of these future bets. So, yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. Definitely will. And I think if, if Texas doesn't – if Texas wins this week, uh, you can cross off yeah. the under nine and a half there as well. So that would be a little sad, but um, – Yeah, I don't know if I necessarily want that because I want to beat you and DraftKings. I don't want to basically have the point being that DraftKings is better at this than I am. That's, that's really not how this is um, – yeah. that was not the intent when, when, when I came up with this idea. It's, that I is – you know, yeah. If, if if this segment just disappears like in, in, in late November or early December, I'm just telling you all right now that's probably what happened and I just axed it from the uh, from the slides here and we're gonna pretend like it never happened. So the, the the thing is it's actually an interesting idea. I feel like what we should like this segment for like next year should probably come back as like a because I think to be fair, there's not a lot you're not gonna get a lot more juice out of the orange here in the last bit of the season. Like there's not gonna be many more future bets you're making. Um, yep. so I think I think this segment is actually really good because as you walk through the season, you got to see kind of our thought, at least my thought process of potential yeah. future bets that we thought were undervalued. And some of them amazing, right? Florida state to make the CFP, um, 
Oregon Pac-12 champs. That was a little bit early. Air Force. Like, you got to see our thought process as you go through the season. And I think that's actually a very valuable thing to have. And I think we this we need to maybe, – maybe it's not going to be the exact same format next year. But I think – I think something like that is should come back next year, yeah. Yeah. I think next week, too, I'll actually designate at least, should I beat you, uh, where you're going to make your, your small charitable donation um, in my name. So, something to, for you to think about, too. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, our Week 10 plays, overall, we did pretty good. Uh, I went 1-3. You went 2-1. and one. The dual model plays went, I think that's five and four. Yeah. Six. So five and four. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we're just a little bit north of uh, one game north of 500 for the week. Uh, composite ROI of 11.9. If you do the math on that, uh, I don't know if you know this. If you take your ROI, divide it by two, um, or how do I say this? Let's do the math the other way. Start with 52.5%. You take your win percentage minus that. Then you double that difference, and that gets your ROI. So you take take that back, and we're winning at just about fifty eight point four percent or so, which is really nice. It's really it's almost exactly where we were for all of last season. Remember, um, the dual model plays at least were just south of fifty nine percent. The other mm-hmm. note I put on here is um, since I just I'm especially proud of my 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 model total plays. 15 and 9 on the season. Now, some of those are in here, and some of those are in here. Um, you know, they're in here. If basically Robert's model confirms it, um, you know, 20% ROI. I don't know anybody that wouldn't take that, even a professional. Um, that would be ideal. They'd probably be a little skeptical in saying how much are you leaving off the table by, you know, by going with that much of an ROI. But good job by us on the season so far. Um... Last week, your preseason upset that you had called for LSU over Alabama unfortunately did not come through. This is interesting. This is just a one-point uh, game, Texas State and Coastal. And you've got, I think, the smarter side on that. Although, crazy Tim Beck, who knows what kind of volatile stuff he's going to do from week to week. Um, yeah, I don't have any. I think the rest of these, I think almost most of these are like uh, in that in a week from Saturday, I think these, mm-hmm. one, this is there. And then you've got, so that'll be a, a big one. The uh, next weekend's podcast. And we get to this week's place. Not so many. Um, it's interesting. I've historically seen this be a pattern. I got a little crossed up. Um, but it, it, I thought it was, it was the first week of September, but it, it's almost always the second week of September. It's just the number of plays just shrivels. This is really when the, the the models seem to align a lot more with the market, and it happens year in and year out. When I track over year over year my plays, just the number of plays just goes way down starting now. Um, and there's there's a little bit of a reset when we get to the bulls for whatever reason. I don't know if that's you've got a sudden uh, a sudden burst of interconference games that you didn't have before. So we both love um, Louisiana here. Um, my only let concern us, they let us on, down last week. Yeah, they did. Um, the other concern is that Southern Miss, their offense, like I mentioned last week, has gone a little bit better once Will Hall got out of calling the plays, which is kind of funny, seeing as he's an offensive coordinator in his prior life. Um, we both have Kentucky. Um, you've actually got Bama by a field goal. I actually have, and I don't know about this. This is hard to believe. I've got Kentucky winning by two. 
Um, crazy stuff here. Yeah, it is. It's yeah, it's it's a that's a weird one. The thing is, it's like it's funny. We we spent the last two hours praising Jalen Milrow, and then our models yep. are like, "Yeah, but actually, he's bad." Um, no, what's <laughs> bad? Well, not bad, but that it's like, yeah, it's it's weird. I don't I don't know about this Kentucky team. Like this Kentucky team beat Florida, but then lost. Oh, that's what they lost. They got crushed by Georgia. I, I don't I don't know. The thing is, it's funny because eleven is like suspiciously weird. Like, if you're if you're looking like everybody's going to be on Bama, everybody was on Bama last week too. If you're if you're a book, and you're like, I have to make sure there's enough points here that I give Kentucky a decent chance to cover, but I don't want to make it so everybody bets on Bama. Eleven's hmm. a bit low. Like you would have thought seventeen and a half. Yeah. This Kentucky team yep. hasn't been that good. And to fourteen, like, they're like not 14, a public yeah. team at all. Yeah, Kentucky's not particularly a public team, so yeah, that's a very weird line. I would, uh, yeah, uh, I feel like you're you're rolling with with Kentucky. I've grabbed it. It's yeah. it's ugly. It's ugly, but it's it's a play. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I can't see Kentucky, you know, trading punches with them. It's got to be a rock fight. Um. Yeah, this next one here, this is interesting. You've got the total basically um, right on the market uh, for North Texas's SMU. You know, I've got that that awesome SMU defensive rating, uh, we, like we talked about earlier. I think they jumped into the top 10 in, I forget if it was total defense or pass defense, but they've just, you know, they've really made strides there. Um, so I'm playing the under here, but it's not a dual model play, but it's, you know, going back to this slide, it's in this group of that's hit at 20% ROI. So make of that what you will. Uh, we talked about Oklahoma state at UCF. You, I got this wrong. Yeah, <laughs> this is, this is a dual model play and it's also, it's going to be the wrong team favorite play. So <laughs> um, if you're looking at home, please disregard this none drop in UCF there and grab them money line. If you so wish to be like Robert and I. Um, yeah. I love this 28 and a half and I'm going under <laughs> to be fair. I have 28. So it's a thing. It, so here, the one thing about my model is weird is that generally my model is higher scoring than the books, but like every once in a while, it will weirdly land exactly on the books total. And I haven't figured out what that means yet, but I just know that it's a weird occurrence and it's just like, like I, my usually actually for the NFL it's usually pretty good, but it's just like sometimes it just weirdly lands right on the total, and I'm just like, it's very weird. But yeah, I I'd take under in this. Iowa is horrible. Also, Rutgers is pretty bad too. So, yeah, and these are two top ten defenses. Yeah, literally. I think I think I think um, an underplay is very fair there. I just it, I, I love how like now that now Iowa is unencumbered from having to score points. Now they're like we don't have to do it anymore. Now they're just like we're just not going to score now. So. I'm just I'm just gonna give uh, people that are watching on YouTube a little bit of whiplash here. So this is a total play, Rutgers and Iowa, and I just want to go back to where we see these kids. All right, if I go to the bum lists, well, hey, who has who has uh you know the least explosive passing offenses? Uh, well, Iowa and Rutgers are two of the top ten. Awesome. Um, who's the third worst quarterback in all of college football? Gavin Winsett. Nice kid, I'm sure. Not a good quarterback, and he's facing 
Um, we go here. Top 20 defenses. Where is Iowa? Oh, well, I'm sure he'll have a good day against the number two defense. Um, that'll go well. And on the other side of the ball, uh, when we go to my defensive apex, yeah, well, I'm sure Brian Ferentz will really find a way against the ninth best pass defense to, uh, to liven things up. So, I, you know, 28 is a tiny number, but I'm this is the kind of game I, I love to bet the under run. Exactly. So. so just a, a quick note about Iowa's passing offense. It's so funny because the one week he was uh, – the, the Iowa quarterback was, I think, like plus – it was like plus 150 or plus 190 to throw under under a, t uh, under a touchdown, like to throw no passing touchdowns. And then that was the week where there was like a random freak passing touchdown against – it was like a good defense too, I think. And and then ever since that week, the line has always been like minus one ten, minus one fifteen, minus one twenty. Like basically both ways. Like basically it's fifty fifty. Whether I throws a passing touchdown, and it's so sad because I lost that one. I lost that bet, but like it was clearly the right play because immediately after they adjusted the line, like yeah, no, that's not happening again. So like it's never, <laughs> yeah. that's not happening. No, not gonna happen <laughs> again. Exactly. Um. All right, we talked about Tech at Kansas. We both got this an easy play. Um. Strangely, you know, when I made this graphic, Kansas at four and it's down to three and a half. Really weird that number. I don't understand that that number going that way, but we've talked about that. Um, <clears throat> and then we both. Why do I not have? The, I'm sorry. This should be a dual model play as well. The last one here, um, Utah Washington. My bad. Please, please, please put that in bold. You've got you've got this 29. I've got this 18, and the market is at eight and a half. So um, I can believe that based on the Washington uh, offense I saw. Utah is not the same team on the road as they are at home and notwithstanding their drubbing Jacob Conover and the ASU Sun Devils last week. I think that their offense is pretty shaky. And against one more reminder here, there is a wrong team favored dual model play and that would be Oklahoma state at UCF. You want to take UCF if you want to be like Robert and I. So uh, apology for the typos here. You can see my plays and the dual model plays. Again, Washington's a dual model play, as is UCF. Um, what do you have? You mentioned Michigan before and alt lines and all kinds of crazy stuff. Are you going to play them or are you going to wait to see on the Harbaugh news? Can we make it a conditional play on Harbaugh coaching? Michigan minus four and a half asterisk. I'm I'm gonna I'll go to um Circus Sports, the best book <laughs> in the world, and I'll just say, I wanna make a bet, but only if Harbaugh is gonna coach. <laughs> they yeah. wouldn't give me a drink ticket. They would just say, you know, sir, um go to FanDuel. Go to FanDuel. FanDuel <laughs> might take that bet. Um All right. Uh we've got uh let me see here. Uh, I'm one second. Uh, no, that line's right. I'm going to regret this one, but Colorado plus 10. I'm going to regret it. I know I am, uh, but whatever. We talked about that. That's, I said there's a little frothy. I think it's a 10 and a half. Let me just see. 10 and a half. Yeah. 10, 10 and a half. Yeah. 10 and a half. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's see here. And then 
New Mexico State plus four and a half against Western Kentucky. It's like every week we just bet this team, but it's yeah, it is aggressive. Yeah. But we're doing it. On uh, I I I don't want you to overlook um your biggest point spread here or your biggest variance of the the Eagles of Georgia Southern. Yeah. Giving a big two and a half to to Marsh, my Marshall Thundering Herd. Yeah. Okay, I'll do that. Georgia Southern and then also Texas State. Georgia Southern minus two and then Texas State minus one. Okay. Cool. Colorado, yeah. New Mexico State, Georgia Southern, Texas State. Anything else? Oh, te- Texas is only favored by 10 against TCU. Yeah, weird line, huh? It wasn't that is a weird... quite enough to make... Especially with the... the um, I went Texas that, minus that, 16, that... but my model loves Texas. When you got the, the TCU kid on the bum list, too. Which, notwithstanding... To, well, I guess... Let's... Yeah. Not not to rub it in, but um, he could have had a, a fun time tonight betting against Buffalo and um, yeah. a bum list guy. <laughs> so then, all right. So, because he, here's the thing that makes sense. So TCU lost by, I think, more than 10 to Texas Tech last week. And now they're only, they're underdogs to Texas by 10. And Texas Tech is only underdogs by like three to Kansas. That's a very weird. Those numbers don't make sense. Hmm. I feel like they're saying Texas is going to lose. To this guy? I feel like they are. <laughs> what? Him? What else is? It, what else are they trying to say? <laughs> like ten? They should. Texas should crush them. Actually, even even sixteen and a half is small. Like, so yeah, you're saying is. that. You're saying that Texas Tech and Texas should beat TCU by equivalent amounts. I'm just saying from a, a, a non-quantity, non-quantifiable standpoint, it's really fun to, to fade the, the names on the left side of this list here. That is true. <laughs> the thing is, I, I need Texas to, to lose games, so I will not bet that, but I will be watching that game because it's gonna, it could be okay. really funny. It could be really funny. Okay. Just like how many times do we watch a comfortable game because like I don't have a side in this, but this is just this could be really funny. <laughs> oh no, that's 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 at least like thirty percent of the whole of the whole enjoyment yeah. pie. Yeah. yeah, at least. So. Okay. Okay. Well, that's and, it you know, for this la- week, I guess. Last Sorry. thing oh. before we go, um, because it's your team and my team. Um, prediction for USC at Oregon. Not your model. Just, a, just what are you just just from score? your gut? What are you thinking? Yeah. Uh, will be a number of forty-five to twenty-eight, whatever that is. That's fourteen. Yeah, that's seventeen. Yeah, seventeen. Yeah, forty-five, twenty-eight. Yeah. I I literally I've got I'm in this my just my gut. I think it's going to be forty-five, forty-two, maybe forty-eight, forty-two. I think it's going to be. I think I think USC is going to score more points than people expect. Um, and I think mm-hmm. Oregon's going to. Ex- score probably about as much as people expect um but i don't know well i was gonna say it's kind of late for you but nothing's really late for you and your no. <laughs> night owl habits i'm so. I'm, I'm built different yeah so that's yeah yes, that's a 10, 10 o'clock game I'm, I'm i'm excited for that actually 10 30 i'll be even better that's great <laughs> okay 
Well, I would wish you good luck, but not this week. Uh, but good luck on the rest of your picks. <laughs> yes, thank you. Good luck for you too. And yes, yeah. Thank you. Uh, this, it's gonna be a good right. game. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Okay, and thank yep. you everyone for listening slash watching, and yep. good luck this week, and we will see you next week. See you next week.